Hey folks, and welcome back to Remember, Remember That Time I Got Cancer. I'm your host, Erica, and here we are in episode 35, just three from the end, which is crazy. So I said thanks for joining me already, but seriously, thank you for those of you who have stuck around. As I'm recording this a number of days ahead of time, I am just excited that people wanted to hear this story and in a lot of ways excited that now the story is out there and I feel like I've told it. I That's been something that's been on my mind for a long time is that I had this story that felt really trapped and whether or not this was the right venue for telling that or if maybe in, in a couple of years time I'm going to find a new way to tell the story, a new way to connect with people. You know, this has been helpful at least for me because it gets it all out there and hopefully it's at least been funny some of the time. So today my plan is to talk about how I actually went about rebuilding my life and to some extent specifically about being in the workforce right before and then immediately after my cancer treatment and then again building up to the life I have now, which prior to COVID at least was something that I was quite content with. So as I've mentioned before, when I was, or just before I I went in for surgery, before all of this happened, I was working for the London Eye primarily with their river cruise. So I would do tours on the River Thames during the day occasionally, usually only about three tours a day. And then the other tours I would be helping to supervise, make sure that tourists weren't doing anything crazy, answering questions, et cetera, et cetera. And the London Eye was an incredible place to work because A, I loved being on the river. B, I loved being a tour guide. Clearly, I love the sound of my own voice if I wanted to make this podcast. But also because of the people, not only were my coworkers, some of my good, good friends when I was living over there, Like I said, I still follow a bunch of them on Facebook. We keep up a little bit and it's been it's been good to to watch even from afar. And they were just a really fun group of people. We all were able to like make each other laugh even on tours we had heard a million times before. I remember once a friend of mine, Shira and I, I think we were both working a double. And so there were a lot of tours that day. And by the time we got to the last tour of the day we decided to split it rather than one person do the whole thing. And we were both just losing it the whole time because we were just worn out. And also because we had already said these things like seven times each. So that was a fun day. It's something I remember quite fondly. I remember Shira visiting me in the hospital. Anyways, also the, the management I actually thought was great. I I thought they really, cared and they showed they cared many times as I was going through this cancer journey. First of all, being really understanding when I was in in the hospital the first time and had to cancel a shift. And then just a week later, having to cancel a whole week worth of shifts because again, was in the hospital. And they were really chill about that. And then when I approached them, I said, hey, I'm going to be out for a week again because I'm I'm going in for surgery and I'm going to need more time off to recover from surgery, they were so great. And they were like, not only is that a totally fine, you aren't technically eligible for sick pay until, you know, another month or whatever, but they decided and got clearance from upper management or, or 
money people, what do you call the money people? It doesn't matter that they were going to, that they were going to pay me for not just the sick time while I was in for surgery, but the back week, the day that I had missed already and for the recovery time that I would need from surgery. And this was crazy. That would never happen here. Even as it is now, when I think about paid sick leave, I have to earn all of my paid sick leave. I couldn't use it for the first three months. And I earn one hour for every 40 hours worked. That's that's how much sick time I get. Surely at this point, I don't have more than, you know, maybe two days built up. Maybe it's more than that. I don't know. But it doesn't matter. It's two days of sick leave. If something major and catastrophic like what happened to me happens is nothing. But the fact that they went out of their way to make sure that I was supported and taken care of was really great. Also, at the time this was all happening, I had just auditioned for and been hired for the London Eyes Halloween experience, which is called Witch Academy, where as tour guides, we would dress up as witches or wizards or whatever and do a special kids tour on the eye itself in one of the capsules. And it was all creepy themed. Most of it totally fake. We wanted to add like real creepy facts because there are plenty of like real creepy things that have happened in London. But they wanted us to keep it like just pretty magic oriented, like fake magic oriented. So it was fine. But I remember we were literally getting this started the the you know maybe two weeks before my surgery. All of a sudden I was working way more hours because keeping both the boat staff and also, you know, our full days at Witch Academy. It was just, you know, a much busier shift than I had been working. And we had such a good time. It was literally for the most part, me and like my closest work friends, like the group of us that were pretty tight. And we just had the most fun. We had our own sort of like dressing room prep area where we were all able to hang out in between rides, where we would get you know, dressed and arranged and do a little bit of rehearsing. And I just remember how much fun I had in that room, even as I was getting close to this really scary surgery. Everything was just very silly and very bright. And it was definitely something that I needed at the time. However, the closer I got to my surgery, and I've mentioned this before, I started feeling sick. And I started realizing how weak I was and how low energy I was. And... There was one day I was on, I was sort of on a break in between rides and I shoved two chairs together and I like flopped on them because I was like, this is the closest thing I can make to a bed and I really just need to lay down for a little while. If it were now, I would have just laid on the floor. Anyways, but my, our boss came in just to check up, see how we were doing or to give us an update about bookings or whatever and she looked at me and and she knew what was going on she went oh my god are you okay do you need to go and I was like I'm just tired like I just need to lay down for a little bit but I you know I thought that her very genuine concern was quite touching and like the knowledge that despite the fact that we had a busy day ahead we had lots of fully booked capsules if I had needed to go home there would have been no fuss no fuss at all and that was something that always seemed really clear to me. And so I really valued the London Eye at this time in my life because they were just a great employer and I wish that I were back. Also, they were really chill about arranging. Once we knew what was happening, the seats on the lower deck of the boat were really low and hard to get in and out of. And so they like brought a chair for me 
so that I didn't have quite so much trouble getting up and down if I wasn't on the upper deck, which was also great. Speaking of of sitting, uh, (laughs) I noticed as I got closer to my surgery, more and more people would offer me seats on the bus. And I'm pretty sure it's because they thought I was pregnant because I looked really pregnant. And I always felt weird about taking it. Not that I didn't need to sit down being that I was in the state I was in. But like they definitely thought there was a baby in my belly. But there was a tumor in my belly. Anyways, moving on. So I've also said before that I did not work through chemo. Not only like that would have been weird if I had come back in you know, December and been like, Hey, I need a job, but I will need all kinds of time off for chemo. And sometimes I think I'm probably just going to be too sick to come in. Is that okay? No, that's crazy. So not only was that there, but I, I was, there was no, I could not have worked through chemo. I really, really admire people who do and can, and maybe it's part of like, if you've been entrenched in a job and been working there for years already, it's easier, but I, no, So my first job after chemo, I believe I began in April. I was hired at Lowe's as a seasonal associate. It was rough, guys. Now, I am the kind of person that I give 100% of myself and my loyalty even to these big corporations when I get hired. And so I learned a lot about, I worked in the garden center. I learned a lot about plants and I, I did my best to become an expert in these things or at least as much of an expert as anyone who shops at Lowe's needs. So that I could be really helpful and make good recommendations. I had favorite plants that I would advise, plants I thought were easier. I got pretty good at rehabilitating plants that were on the clearance rack. Now, I rehabilitated them for me because they would go to clearance and I would get to buy them for very little money. And it was pretty great. Now, I was hired on as a general sales associate and somehow became the watering person, which meant that as I was still recovering from chemo, I was sometimes having to be in Lowe's at like six in the morning to start watering plants. And I hated that. It took forever. The hose was heavy and I hated it. I hated it a lot. <laughs> and I also was paired with one other person who was like a regular waterer. And this is a total side note, but she was dumb as rocks. She literally would be like, we had to fill out this form when we watered, like where we watered, when we watered, how we watered. And sometimes I would go back to like sign off on the form and she'd be like, the plants were watered by God today because it rained. And I was like, you moron, half our plants are under a canopy. Also, that's not, it's, unless it downpoured, there's no way they got enough water. So stop being stupid. That was a constant struggle with this woman. She was so dumb. I really hated having to work with someone that's stupid. Especially when I had to redo a bunch of her work because, anyways, that's a tangent. The other thing that I thought was really unique about Lowe's, actually, it sucked so bad. I would never work at Lowe's again. But I, being that I was outside a lot, it got into the summer. I was really hot. And despite the fact that I had talked to, I talked to the the management about, you know, sometimes I'm going to want to wear a headscarf. It's not going to be uniform, but I am bald and I'm going to want something on my head. I also had wigs, of course. I've mentioned that as well. And I just wanted it odd in the open that, like, sometimes... I was going to be wearing a headscarf and I expected there to not be any flack. And they said there wouldn't be. So I, the first couple of weeks, I think I, I was consistent about wearing wigs because it wasn't too hot. And, and I was, I think at that point, still feeling a little bit vulnerable about the not having hair thing. And I just hit a point where it was hot and the wigs were itchy and I stopped wearing the wigs because I was sweating in them and it was so gross and I hated it. It was just too hot. 
so I would wear either like a Lowe's ball cap or a headscarf or sometimes I just went with nothing because it was really hot and I'd have to put sunscreen on my head. Anyways, I remember there was at the same time another woman who was plenty nice. She worked there too. And she also had recently gone through chemo and, and wore wigs. Her wigs were nicer than mine. Whatever. But she at one point said to me, she was like, I just think you're so brave. I could never go out without the wig on. And I really think that I was like, oh, this isn't bravery. I'm just too lazy to put in the work that I feel like is involved in wearing a wig. Like even the emotional labor of wearing a wig is too much for me. And that may have been like a cold thing to say, but I really did not like being told that I was being brave by doing anything I was doing, especially when like that genuinely was was coming from a place of laziness. So that was how I felt about Lowe's. Now, Lowe's was sort of just like something to get me on my feet as I thought about next steps around the time I was at Lowe's I think I'm not sure I visited Messiah College I don't remember if I was going to see a production there or what but I was talking with the chair of our department and as we got chatting I mentioned that I didn't know what my next steps were and she was like well you have a master's now would you want to come here and and be an adjunct and teach And I hadn't even considered that as an option. And I really, really appreciated the offer and the, it really felt like it was being, it was something being offered to me. You know what I mean? It was at a time where I really needed to start feeling like I was using, you know, both of my degrees and the skills that I had and being back doing something that I was actually really passionate about. So I agreed, and that fall I moved to Carlisle, Pennsylvania. And as I was working at Messiah, I was teaching theater as a gen ed art course. So these weren't theater majors, but it was fun teaching them theater nonetheless. And I think in a lot of ways I had some cool and unique approaches to it. Teaching theater is always this crazy thing because it's like, what do I teach? You know, it's so broad. Do I teach tech? Do I teach writing? Do I teach acting? Do I teach history? Do I teach non-Western topics? There's just so much there. And that's been really, it's been really fun. So I was teaching there. I was also doing design work. I achieved a, a goal of mine, which was to do both the scenic and costume design for a show. I did that for Eurydice which is this great adaptation of the Orpheus and Eurydice myth focused on Eurydice herself rather than Orpheus, who is usually the focus of the story. And I was so excited because I based the design off of sort of inspired by Adolf Appiah's original uh, Orpheus and Eurydice. Uh, So that was really exciting for me. I was pretty pleased with the design. There are things I certainly would do differently. Anyways, I I uh, I digress. At the same time, I wanted a little more professional theater experience, too, and I went on to apply to stage manage at Gamut Theater in Harrisburg and booked that gig. I went on to do two shows with them, two as a stage manager and one as a props master. I Working with them was great, and all of a sudden, I really felt that between Messiah and Gamut, I was getting my life rolling again. I also had to pick up other jobs in Carlisle. I don't know why I felt like I had to work so much. I feel like I couldn't have been in quite a bad economic place as I 
seemed to be acting like I was. But I also worked at Michael's during their Christmas season. That was horrible. Had the worst boss ever. I would like to work at a Michael's again, just not the one in Carlisle. I had to like unload the truck in the morning, which was not a problem, but she was just mean. Anyways, I ultimately quit the job at Michael's and... Now, I quit at the end of the holiday season, so whatever. But I went on to work at Country Inn and Suites. I actually love doing front desk at a hotel, and I'm really good at it, and I'm really good at booking people into the memberships. I would 100% work at a hotel again. But I was really using this time in Carlisle to sort of reestablish myself as a professional. But what got really hard is that I was lonely all the time, and I was working, I think, too much for the sake of my dog. And I wanted to be in a position where I didn't have to work quite so much. And so I went back to Pennsylvania or back while I was in Pennsylvania, but I went back home to Lock Haven for a while. And while I was back home in Lock Haven, I started substitute teaching and I substitute taught for a year while I decided what my next steps were. And I decided my next step was to get back into professional theater. And I took my second contract at Millbrook Playhouse, this time as the stage manager in the cabaret. And that was amazing. And that really cemented me as like stage management is what I want to do on a permanent basis. And I was advised a couple of times that summer that I was ready for New York. And I was like, you know what? Heck with it. I never thought I wanted to be in New York, but Rachel is in New York now. She's been there for a year. Heck with it. Let's do it. I put out some feelers some applications through Playbill and through offstage jobs. And I booked a stage management gig. I think I, you know, put in the, I sent my cover letter and resume on a Monday. I interviewed on the phone on a Tuesday and I think I got the job on Wednesday. And on Friday I was in New York. I got on a bus and I got there and you know, I got in pretty late at night after nine o'clock. I stayed with Rachel the first couple of nights, but by the next day I was in rehearsal and I remember I had been a little bit cagey in the application process because I never said that I was not already in New York. Nowhere did I mention that. And they didn't specifically ask, but I was open. I said, look, I'm on a contract right now in Pennsylvania. I will need, you know, two or three days to get there. And they said, that's fine. So we were out. I was out with my first New York City cast just a couple of days in like, I think two days. And a lot of times I think in theater stuff gets passed around. Oh, how long have you been in the city? And I sort of grinned and I went two days. <laughs> and that was sort of when it all came out and it was fine. And everyone was like, this is crazy. What do you mean two days? I was like, I applied and I got on a bus. So that's, that's the story of how after cancer, I got my life back on track and looking like something that I could be proud of. Thanks so much, everyone, for tuning in today. And um, thanks also to Julius H. for this song, Beltane, which I found on Pixabay. Now, before I go, don't forget, support single-payer healthcare, go get your damn vaccines, COVID-19 is real, And thanks to the NHS for supporting my continued existence. See you tomorrow.